Hallelujah. God, we praise you today. We love you, Jesus. God is so, so good to us. and We're thankful for him today. And uh, So many things that you can preach and talk about this time of year. I mean, it's the gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And, and that's the focus of our, our message. With all the message, messages of revelation that we preach, you know, it, it, it comes down uh, mainly to Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so, uh, but today we're going to, you know, there's one thing, you know, Wednesday, to me, if you were here Wednesday and heard the lesson Wednesday night, I I enjoyed teaching uh, that lesson on Wednesday. Um, But looking into Old Testament and different places to see um, the prophecies and the things that pointed toward Christ in the New Testament are, are amazing to me. And I'd be surprised how very little people know about the Old Testament and what it means to us today and, and the feast, the Passovers, things like that. And so uh, today, if you have your Bibles, if you want to follow along with us, we're going to read some from the Old Testament. And um, and we're going to talk, and some of it we will talk about, uh, we mentioned it briefly, very briefly on Wednesday night, but... Um, Numbers chapter 9, we're going to read verses 9 through 14. Numbers 9, 9 through 14. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If any man of you or of your posterity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body or be in a journey afar off, yet... He shall keep the Passover unto the Lord. The fourteenth day of the second month at even, they shall keep it and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it unto the morning, nor break any bone of it. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. But the man that is clean and is not in a journey and forbeareth to keep the Passover, even the same soul shall be cut off from among his people. Because he brought not the offerings of the Lord into his appointed season, that man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger shall sojourn among you and will keep the Passover unto the Lord according to the ordinance of the Passover and according to the manner thereof, so shall he do it. You shall have one ordinance, both for the stranger and for him that was born in the land. So to celebrate the Passover, you didn't have to be an Israelite. You didn't have to be a Jew. You could still, if you were traveling through that land, you could celebrate the Passover uh, with Israel even though you never came out of Egypt. It was an ordinance for Jew or Gentile. See, that kind of points toward us. And so uh, as we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ this, this time of year, this, this resurrection Sunday, this Easter season, Easter Sunday, whatever you want to call it, uh, it's a remembrance uh, to remember and to celebrate uh, the resurrection and what it means for us as Christians. So uh, today's lesson is titled, Don't Pass Over Easter. Don't pass over Easter. Now, you can pass over eggs and bunnies if you want to. Just don't pass over Easter. Don't pass over what this means 
for us in our life is something that God wants us to have. Let's pray for the lesson. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for what you've done, for the sacrifice that you made for us, God. We are just praising you this morning. So thankful for the death, burial, and resurrection that has given us salvation. Today, Lord, let us remember once again how great it is, Lord, and remember to always be thankful and to praise you for you alone are worthy of it, God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Give him one more hand clap if you're thankful. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the Passover. Praise God. You can be seated. I'm thankful for the Passover because it was a foreshadowing pointing toward what was going to come for us as well. It was something that uh, was meant to be remembered uh, by Israel. It was not uh, just a one-time thing that night that they were leaving Egypt. Of course, we know the first Passover was prepared in Egypt. They were to uh, take and pull a lamb out on the 10th day of the month, of the first month, and then uh, for four days uh, keep it and then kill it on the 14th of the month. That would be the Passover. At that time, they were to put the blood over their doorpost uh, to protect them and cover them and to make a separation for them. And it was not going to just be for that night, but this would be something that they would keep continually. Uh, when you read uh, further through the scriptures, even after uh, the Exodus, you will read that God reminds them and Moses would remind Israel to continue to keep the Passover. Uh, backing up a little bit in Numbers 9, verses uh, 2 and 3, it says, Let the children of Israel also keep the Passover at his appointed season. In the 14th day of this month at even, you shall keep it in his appointed season according to all the rites of it and according to all the ceremonies thereof, you shall keep it. God intended them to remember about the Passover. Uh, a lot of people read through the Old Testament on their bread charts, and that's about as much as they do with it, just read. But if you'll pay attention to what Scripture says in the Old Testament, you'll see, uh, we mentioned this the other night, that you will find a lot about Jesus. You will learn a lot about Christ by reading what Moses wrote. Jesus said as much when he said, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but it is the Scriptures that testify of me. If you had believed Moses, you would believe me because Moses wrote about me. And so uh, we want to make sure that uh, we even look back uh, in the scriptures for there we can find our salvation. Uh, the apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and said uh, that from a child, from a young child, you have known the scriptures. He wasn't talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That wasn't written yet. He was talking about the scriptures that Moses and David and the prophets had written. He said, you have known the scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation. And so he said, they were preaching salvation. They weren't even preaching Acts 2.38 because it wasn't written. You know, Paul was preaching uh, Christ and the, the gospel, but he, he, did, he got his gospel from the Lord. You know, people talk about, well, I don't want to, uh, I've, I've preached Acts 2.38, and it's, well, I, I, I think I'll stick with what Jesus said and not what Peter said. And, and I said, well, well, what about Paul? Well, I like what Paul wrote, but, well, Paul preached the same thing that Peter preached. 
But he said he made a point when he was called, when God struck him down and gave him his marching orders. He he said, I didn't go up and confer with all the apostles and things like that. He said, but the gospel that I got, he said, I got it from the Lord. And you know what I see Paul preaching? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Well, then how were you baptized? Anybody thinks that baptism and being filled with the Holy Ghost isn't part of the gospel? Hadn't been reading... (laughs) Hadn't been paying attention. And Paul said, I didn't get that from Peter. I got it from the Lord. So uh, anybody ever tries to shoot you down on your plan of salvation, just say, well, the Lord gave it. Just like the Lord gave these feasts for Israel uh, so that they could remember what God had done for them. The Passover meal is a meal of remembrance. Uh, When Israel would eat the Passover after they exited from Egypt, then it would be so they could remember what God had done for them because Israel, believe it or not, had a hard time remembering how good God had been to them as we do as well. Uh, You know, I'm careful with that because Paul said, don't boast against the branches. (laughs) Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. He said, well, he said, you stand by faith. He said, don't boast. He said, because you can be broken off too. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to stay grafted into the vine. But the Passover meal is not just a typical holiday meal. It's not a bunch of finger foods and sausage balls. It's definitely not sausage balls. <laughs> but uh, but it's, a tip, it's not just uh, you know, your, little, your dips and finger foods, a little eggnog or something over here. This, it, it was a meal that is prepared, and there's an order and a process to the way they eat it. Um, it includes a hand washing at the beginning of the meal. Um, each part of the meal is exact, and then it is done together with everyone present because the first Passover was eating, eaten inside the house, and everyone who lived there had to be inside the house. And so the parts of the meal must be eaten in a certain order because the food itself is symbolic and represents the first Passover where God delivered Egypt from or Israel from Pharaoh. So now, uh, what we'll look at, the most important contents of the Passover meal are, number one, the, they, they would have bitter herbs. Usually, it can be something like parsley, and they dip it in salt water. Then they have matzah, which is unleavened bread. Then they have the lamb. Then they have the wine. And each element carries a significant meaning and a symbolic purpose. Uh, the, fir- the food at Passover is eaten in order so that they can remember how God delivered them and the order in which they were saved. Uh, First, they would have the parsley or the bitter herbs that are dipped in salt water because this represents how bitter Israel's bondage was when they were in slavery to Egypt, and the salt water represents the tears of the descendants of Jacob. That's why they have bitter herbs dipped in salt water. Uh, Each part of the Passover meal serves as a double purpose of remembrance and symbolism. The matzah, or the unleavened bread, reminds the people uh, of Israel that they did not have time to wait for the bread to rise as they were fleeing Egypt. They left in a hurry before Pharaoh could change his mind once again uh, after the final plague. When you look forward, the matzah is also representative of the manna that Israel received from God in their wilderness wanderings during the time in the wilderness, uh, manna was the bread of life that kept people physically fed, but the matzah is 
ultimately representative, a representative of the bread of life. We know who that is. That is given by the word of God in John 6, 35, 48, and 41. Uh, Jesus reminded or told them, I am the bread of life. I am that living bread. Of course, the lamb eating at the Passover meal is for the remembrance. Now, we're talking about for Israel right now. And the remembrance of the blood of spotless lambs that were slain on that night in Egypt. On the night of the final plague of judgment, God sent an angel to kill the firstborn of every family in the land of Egypt. And they said it would be a great cry like had never been heard going up in Egypt. The only households that were spared were those whose doors and entrances were covered by the blood of a spotless lamb. The lambs that were slain were without blemish and they were without any broken bones. That was in our scriptures that we opened with. Uh, They would be without blemish or any broken bones. Very important to remember those things. These regulations surrounding the lamb and how it was to be used for Passover point forward to the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, as our Passover lamb. When John saw him walking down the road, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Uh, He was without spot and blemish. He never had any broken bones, and he lived a life without sin. Jesus sacrificed himself as a lamb without blemish and without spot, and his blood washes away all of our sins, covers us once and for all. Now, uh, I'm thankful today for the blood of the lamb. Praise God. I'm thankful for our Passover lamb. But still looking just a moment more, let's look back at some things for Israel. Finally, during the Passover feast, they would have the wine, and that would be representative of the blessings given in Exodus. Uh, Traditionally, these blessings are tied to the promises of consecration, deliverance, redemption, and consummation uh, that we find in Exodus 6, verses 6 and 7. The Lord said, Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The Passover is a feast of remembrance. It is when they can remember what God did to bring them out. Now, of course, today uh, Israel is looking back to their ancestors. They were never in bondage in Egypt, but now they remember this, and they still hold the Passover feast uh, every year, uh, and they do these things. They kill these lambs. They have these bitter herbs. They, they have the unleavened bread and the wine, and they think back to what God did for uh, Jacob, for Israel, for the people that were there in Egypt, and uh, not even realizing that there's been another lamb slain for the sins of the world. And so this Passover, Israel's Passover, the the feast that they would keep in the wilderness and that they keep to this day is a feast of specific remembrance. Um, they They don't dip bitter herbs in salt water and eat it because it tastes good. They, I'm sure some people are choking them down. I can't even imagine eating that, but they do that as a reminder that God brought us out. And, and then uh, they have this feast, and, and having a feast that is tailored to, to, to just taste bad seems strange. But the bitterness is intentional to remind us 
suffering, the things that Israel endured. And then they have the wine, which is to be the sweetness, and it is to remind them of the promises that God would have for Israel. Now, for us, Jesus sat down with his disciples at the Last Supper, and he directed the Passover meal with his disciples. And he intended this meal to be a meal of remembrance also. When Paul writes about the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11, 24, and 25, uh, each verse and each part of it reminds us to remember. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And then in the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus intended for this last supper, this Passover meal, to also be a meal of remembrance. And, but he changed the order of the meal. There was bread, but instead of being broken in remembrance of the night when Israel fled Egypt or the wilderness wanderings, Jesus said the bread was symbolic of his body and it was meant to be broken and blessed in remembrance of him. In addition, uh, all previous times of Passover remembrance, the wine represents the covenant of promises of God. Number one, to bring Israel out from the yoke of the Egyptians, to rescue Israel from slavery, redeem Israel with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment, and to show that the Lord would take Israel as his own people and be their God. These are covenant promises And normally they would be the focus of remembrance during the drinking of wine at Passover. However, just as Jesus changed the meaning of the bread, he would change the meaning of the wine. He said it now would be representative of his blood. It would be the New Testament in my blood is what he would say. Uh, And they should drink the wine in remembrance of him. He did this because he was now initiating a new covenant. But the Passover, the original Passover, it points straight to what Jesus would go through in his last uh, hours and last days on this earth. He is the Passover lamb for the world. And as such, the Passover lamb would be killed on the Passover. And uh, that's what we talked about Wednesday night, that uh, scientifically you can, can show that in that year that Jesus was crucified, that the Passover uh, happened on the 14th of Nisan, which is the first month, and that would have been on Wednesday. He would have been killed on Wednesday before sundown. And then he would have gone into the grave, and he would have been there from Wednesday to Thursday, which is one day, Thursday to Friday, which is two days, Friday to Saturday, which is three full days. And any time after sundown on Saturday, Jesus can rise from the dead because now it is the first day of the week. Contrary to popular belief, he did not come out of the tomb at sunrise on Sunday morning. That's the truth. And there's no scripture that says he did. The women came at the breaking of the day. And Matthew 28 says an angel came down and rolled the stone away and said, now come look and see he's not here. He didn't have to have the stone rolled away to come out. He was already resurrected. And he was already taking care of business. But I'm not here to go over Wednesday's lesson again. That's just the fact. He's the Passover lamb. He's going to be killed on the Passover. And the Passover was not on Friday. So just so we know that. The Last Supper, 
which is covered in Matthew 26 and Mark 14 and Luke 22, it was celebrated differently than any Passover meal that Israel had ever had. Everybody else in Israel was celebrating the Passover as they normally did, but Jesus had uh, 12 men there that he was showing a new covenant, that something different was about to happen. Uh, there was the ritual hand washing. There was breaking of bread. Uh, there was drinking of wine. But the meaning of each of these uh, that we explained before, what they all meant. But what was missing in this meal that Jesus did? The bitter herb. No, the lamb. He was the lamb sitting at the table. The bitter herbs. There were no bitter herbs during the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples because the bitter herbs are linked back to the bondage of Israel in Egypt, but the Gentiles that were now coming in have no idea about the bondage that Israel was in. We are now grafted into the vine, and so to incorporate uh, for us uh, bitter herbs, for us to eat bitter herbs for something we never experienced, it wouldn't make any sense. It wasn't going to be there. This was going to be a new covenant where uh, Jew and Gen hey, circumcision or uncircumcision, doesn't mean anything, but a new creature in Christ means something. So he, he has con con concluded us all in unbelief that he can have mercy upon us all. We were grafted in to the vine. The Gentiles who Jesus intended to incorporate into covenant uh, cannot relate to Israel's slavery. And so uh, Jesus was going to suffer on the cross. His death was sealed once and for all victory for his church. Uh, the bitter herbs will no longer be part of communion. Aren't you glad we don't have, when we take the Lord's Supper, we don't have some parsley and salt water sitting here waiting on you. It's not part of that because the cross is an event that gave us victory. The, the empty grave gives us victory. It's not, a, it's not for sorrow for us. It's victory for us. Jesus was a man that was acquainted with sorrow and acquainted with grief. He, was, he knew what that was like, but the, the cross for us represents victory through his death and through his burial, through his resurrection. And so, you know, there's, there's even things when you read, uh, I'm sure you saw this name in the scripture in the Old Testament, you read about in Genesis Melchizedek. And he was the, the king of Salem. He was a high priest of God. And uh, he is a type of Christ. And it was the, um, the scripture in Hebrews talks about that Jesus is a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You know, when Melchizedek met Abraham, he had bread and he had wine. This is before Israel had ever gone into Egypt, but he had a, a supper of bread and wine for Abraham, uh, just showing them uh, it was just like the, the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples. It was the bread and the wine, but no bitter herbs because Jesus is a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so at that time, there was no need for bitter herbs, not in Melchizedek's day and then now not in Jesus' day because we are going to be delivered from that sorrow. So when uh, Moses, uh, you know, when he receives the law from the Lord, it's more, it's very, uh, a lot more extensive than just the Ten Commandments he got from the mountain. Uh, he was given uh, an outline in Leviticus 23 for uh, seven different feasts and holy days that Israel should keep However, Israel, over time, when you read, uh, they stopped keeping these days. 
They didn't follow them anymore. They, every once in a while, a new king that would want to do things right would come in and they would institute these feasts and holy days again, but then here'd come a wicked king and they would forsake it once again. But um, if they would have done that, when you read in Scripture, you'll see a lot of great, powerful moves of God on the days that they would keep these feasts. But these seven feasts, um, four of them are shown through the last days of Jesus and his life. There's seven total, but there's first four are very uh, important and uh, point toward Christ, our Savior, our Passover lamb. So besides the weekly Sabbath, that is from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, the, there are the Feast of Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits. We talked about these Wednesday night. Jesus was uh, killed on the Passover. The Feast of Unleavened Bread comes right after that on the 15th of Nisan. And then the Feast of First Fruits is on the Sabbath or directly after the Sabbath behind those two uh, first two. So now these occurred um, in the year of the crucifixion of Christ. They came on back-to-back days. Wednesday was the Passover, Thursday was the unleavened bread, and then, of course, Friday, from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, was the weekly Sabbath of rest. And so this would be a timeline, I guess, of the crucifixion of Christ uh, when how these things could have taken place and how they could have happened. When Jesus, uh, he, he held the last supper with his disciples after sunset at the beginning of the Passover. After the Last Supper, Jesus and the remaining 11 disciples went to the garden to Gethsemane to pray. Judas arrived with the Roman soldiers, betrays Jesus in the garden. Jesus was taken to the Sanhedrin, put on trial, found guilty of blasphemy because he said he was the Christ, the Son of God, handed over to the Romans to be crucified. Jesus dies on the cross before the sunset on the day of Passover. He is our Passover lamb. He is that, that lamb of God. First Peter 1 and 19 uh, Peter said this about Jesus. I think I gave you that scripture, sis, or did I? Maybe I didn't. Did I not give you that? Oh, no. Love that mouse. <laughs> so, for, But 1 Peter 1 and 19 talks about him being uh, that we, we have been purchased by the blood uh, as a spotless lamb of God. Now, next is during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Jesus was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, 1 Peter 2 and 22. The Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, represents the sinlessness of Christ. It says he did not sin, and neither was there a guile found in his, guile found in his mouth. And then uh, after that, after he has been in the tomb for those three days, those three Sabbaths, when you read in Leviticus 23, you'll see after the Sabbaths, then the priest would have um, would take the, the wave for the Feast of First Fruits. That would happen. Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 and 20 says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of those who slept. So we see uh, in the Old Testament, in what Moses wrote about, remember Jesus said, Moses wrote about me, we see the Passover. It's got the lamb that's spotless. It's going to have to shed its blood, and it won't have a bone broken. 
Jesus did not have any bones broken. When they came to the cross to break the legs of the thieves, they found that Jesus was dead already. And so they did not break his bones. And the scripture said they did this uh, because they did not break his bones. It was fulfilling of the, uh, the prophet's uh, the psalmist wrote that he keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Of course, it was instituted by the Lord. When you have this Passover lamb, you do not break any of the bones. And so God was already putting a plan in motion way back then, pointing toward Christ that would come. And so uh, the Passover is about our lamb. Of course, Jesus was tempted in all points as we are, but without sin. He is the unleavened bread, and then he is the first fruits of the resurrection of the dead. He is uh, the one who rose first. He resurrected other people, brought them back to life, but this was talking about the resurrection of our Savior, uh, of us given to the promise of us being resurrected. If that same spirit that raised him up dwell in us, then we'll also be quickened in our mortal bodies. So uh, I'm thankful for that today, that we can see that through these feasts, we can see where Christ came to be in our lives. And so that's why uh, Jesus said, as often as you take this last supper, as you take this bread, you take this wine, then you do this in remembrance of me. So when we have first Monday night prayer and communion, that's what we're doing. We're remembering, taking time to make sure that in all of our goings that we don't forget that we're only here because of what Jesus did. We're only here because he gave himself and allowed his body to be broken. We're only free from sin because he let his blood be shed and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and we only have promise of living with him forever because of the Holy Ghost uh, that will raise us from the dead as well. The dead in Christ shall rise first. They're going to be resurrected by that same spirit that raised him up and then our mortal bodies will be quickened we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together. It'll be a little different resurrection for us. We'll be lifted off this ground. But this all happens because of what Jesus did and because who he was. And so we don't want to ever pass over this time of year, this Easter season, this resurrection season. We want to make sure that we take time to stop and remember it. Sure, this week, but every week. Yeah. We should never forget that uh, anything we have and anything we are, we have it because of Jesus. We have it because of what he did. We must remember, and that's what Jesus was trying to show his closest 12. Uh, of course, he knew that night one would betray him, but those that he had sitting, he said, this will be what you need to remember from this point going forward, is that it will no longer be just about Israel, but I am bringing in the Gentile church. I'm bringing in a, a flock that you don't even know about. I'm bringing them in. And they'll be part of this thing. And they won't have to uh, eat bitter herbs because that, that doesn't apply to them. All they've got to do and all you'll have to do from this point over is remember the body and the blood that was shed for you. And then, of course, they, they saw him alive uh, for 40 days after his resurrection and watched him do many great things in that time. We want to remember what Jesus did. And just like when Israel, I, I mentioned this earlier, when uh, Israel would remember and celebrate these feasts and abide by the feast and the Sabbaths that God had given them, they would see tremendous, powerful moves of God. And you can read that. It's in Second Chronicles 5 and 7, Leviticus 23. Uh, you can see those uh, what Hezekiah said uh, in Second Chronicles 30 and 31. And you'll see how when they would stay 
uh, obedient to God's word. Remember what he said. Remember the feast and the holy days. God would move powerful and you know the power of God would move in and they, the priest couldn't stand to minister because of the things they were doing and uh, God would just show up. And it's the same way for us. We can't forget. We're not going to have any moves of God if we forget about the sacrifice. Oh, you're, not, you're not having real church without the gospel, without the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's... Yeah, you, you you can have a good time and 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 flip around and get hot and sweaty, but you're not going to see anything significant happen until we have the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul Paul had a lot of revelations. He said, "But I, he said, I'll tell you this: I'm not going to get caught up in all kind of things. Uh, I'm going to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'm not going to try to come with enticing words or eloquent words. I'm just going to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified." That'll do the trick because that's the salvation of the world. And that's what we remember today in this, this day, in this, this season. You know, just like around Christmas time, people remember him when he was born. And thank God he was born. But if he had been born and never went to the cross, where would we be? If he, and, you know, same thing. If he had died but never resurrected, where would we be? Uh, it takes all of it, that death, burial, and resurrection. So Jesus crucified on the Passover. He was in the grave for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then he rose again on the Feast of First Fruits. He was three full days in the ground. Uh, I don't know who all was here Wednesday night or who maybe wasn't here, but um, Jesus said the sign that would be given to show who I am would be the same sign of Jonah. And just like Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the well, that the Son of Man would spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And you just can't get three days from Friday to Sunday. It just don't happen. Not three days and three nights. You can count three day names, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But that's not three full days, three full nights. A full day and a full night makes a full day. That makes sense when you look at God's timeline. The Jewish calendar is from sundown to sundown not from midnight to midnight. And so uh, I'm thankful today that Jesus is who he said he was because he was in there three full days from Wednesday to Sunday. He was there. And so we remember these things. And so I try to remember those things. We want to make sure that um, we remember he was our Passover, died on the Passover. He was uh, buried uh, during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He was there on the Sabbath of rest, and then he rose again on the feast of first fruits, and then the next uh, the next feast is the feast of Pentecost, and we know that the Holy Ghost was given to the church on the day of Pentecost. Those first four feasts all point toward Jesus and His promise and what He came to do: Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, first fruits, and Day of Pentecost. He said, "If I don't go away, the Holy Ghost can't come." So He had to resurrect and go away. So the Holy Ghost could come. But there's three other uh, holy days, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And they still are significant, believe it or not, uh, in, or in events that are yet to come, things that are yet to happen. Uh, they, they point toward things that are coming our way. So, But today we're here, and what we're focusing on, on is the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection, Remembering what Jesus did, the Easter holiday, Resurrection Sunday, whatever you choose to call it, is important to Christians because it does mark the beginning 
of the New Testament uh, in his blood. Israel is no longer in their, uh, alone in their claim to uh, the heritage of the God of creation because now we've been grafted in. But all people, Jew or Gentile, bond or free, doesn't matter, are adopted into the covenant of the promise by God. Aren't you thankful today for what Jesus has done for us? Uh, brother, you can come to the music this morning. I'm thankful that we can remember. I, I don't know for those that in that day, in the day of Moses, I can't imagine sometimes maybe his level of frustration trying to lead what the Lord said were a stiff-necked people. How that Moses wanted so desperately for Israel to do right and to be right and, and you know caused Moses to lose his cool and strike that rock and because he did that he didn't get to walk in the promised land a lot of people say well was Moses lost no, no he wasn't lost as a matter of fact he did end up in the promised land on the Mount of Transfiguration. So he did finally stand in that land speaking to Jesus himself. But I don't want anything to keep me out of the promised land. But I can't think of anything any quicker that will help me to lose my grip on it than to forget what Jesus has done for me. When people start forgetting the price that was paid, when people no longer remember how he suffered and, and what he went through, and he didn't have to, when we forget all the things that he endured, we start getting careless. We start getting slack. We start doing things and drifting in ways we shouldn't drift. But, friend, when I remember the price he paid to get me here, I don't want to do anything to frustrate that. I don't want to do anything to come against that, but I want to live my life in a way that's worthy of the sacrifice that was made. Uh, that's, that sums it up. Is uh, I want to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with my God. I want to live my life. Uh, I want to be able to walk upright before Him. I want to be able to serve Him in sincerity and in truth. I, I want to be able to hear Him say one day, well done I want to say like Paul I, I finished I fought a good fight I kept the faith no matter what came my way I just kept the faith because friend, the end of our faith the scripture says is the salvation of our soul don't lose don't let go of your faith the end of it when it comes to the end of that one day faith will be no you know faith will be no more when we get to heaven ain't gonna be no faith I'm looking around like, ooh, I'm going to have to keep faith so I can believe I'm here. But when I'm there, faith will be gone. The old song said faith will end in sight. That's where we'll no longer be walking by faith, but we'll now see the things that we have uh, only dreamed about. You know, I has not seen them yet. We hadn't seen it yet, but one day we will. So I don't want to forget that I've got something to do here. Take up my cross daily. Friend, you're going to take the cross of it. It, it don't just, the cross does not cling to you. You cling to it. If you just lay a cross on your back and start walking, it'll fall off. You're going to have to purposely hold it. You've got to embrace 
that cross. Jesus said, take up that cross and follow me. I want to take up my cross, wrap my arms around it, realizing that this this death is the only way to life, to live forever. I want to live my life for him. Remember, that cross, it'll remind you. You'll you'll never be in, in jeopardy of forgetting as long as you're carrying the cross. We can read the Bible and we can forget. We can pray and forget. We can be partakers of miracle and forget. But when you carry the cross, you'll never forget. It'll be a reminder of what Jesus did. Let's stand together this morning. Lift our hands to him and just love him this morning. What a tremendous God. To wrap himself in flesh and to give himself for us. Lord, we love you and praise you. And we want to remember always, God, what you did, the price you paid, what it took, Lord. Oh, to see our sins upon that cross. Oh, thank you for what you did, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you did. For shedding that precious blood that washes away all our sin. And Lord, for showing us that death couldn't hold you, death couldn't stop you, Lord. But three days you did exactly what you said. Destroy this temple, and in three days, you resurrected it. You rose. God, we praise you this morning. Glory to God. Praise his holy name. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. Lord, bless us now. Just worship him for a moment. Just just lift up a voice of praise for a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we praise you this morning. Oh, we thank you this morning. Oh, how great is our God. How great is our God. How great. Don't you know he's great this morning? Don't you know he's great this morning? What a mighty God we serve. Let's give him a hand clap and shout of praise in this house. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm so thankful for him today. Thank you for being in Sunday school this morning and just looking forward to what God's going to do in this next service. Let's get ready to worship the Lord. Amen. God bless you.